0: Welcome to the Portland Christian Center podcast. This is the audio version of our live Sunday morning gathering. To view our live Sunday morning gathering, go to pcctoday.com. Amen. Well, on this Veterans Day, we want to take a moment and honor all of our veterans. If you served in any branch of the military, would you please stand? Thank you. We are so grateful for the freedom that we experience in America and the sacrifice that so many have made so that we can experience that. Are you not grateful? Isn't that amazing? Thank you, Jesus, for America. We know our country is not perfect, but we believe it's worth fighting for. And the freedoms that we experience are worth fighting for. And I just want to take a moment and just pray for our country. Pray for all the veterans that, um, the families and people that are impacted, we know that there are things that we don't see, that we don't always understand, but people go through things. And as a body of Christ, it's important to pray, isn't it? To pray for our veterans, to pray for their families and those that have lost loved ones and those that are even serving. We just want to pray protection over our, our military and uh, just blessing over them. So would you join me as we pray for them? Lord, I thank you for this great country that we live in. Thank you for Our veterans God I pray blessing over them and their families and we honor them and we're so grateful that we have so many people that are willing to lay down their lives so that we can experience the freedoms that we do we're grateful for them we bless them in Jesus name and everybody said amen amen Amen. well if I haven't met you yet my name is Nate and I have the privilege of being the pastor here and I want to welcome everybody online Thank you for being here and joining us. We are so grateful for all that God is doing. In case you're brand new with us, we're starting, um, actually we're not starting, it's kind of a newer one for me, but uh, we're in this series called There Is More. And in case you missed last week, didn't uh, Savannah do just a great job speaking last week? It was amazing. And this series, really the heart of this series is that you would experience more of God, that you would encounter his presence. I believe with all my heart, I have conviction with all that is within me, that we aren't just supposed to know about God, but we're supposed to experience him. And knowing God is, is powerful. We, ha- we must know, and the Lord says, the Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your, sp- with all your strength, and that there is more for all of us to experience him. And I just want to encourage you today, if you came in, I believe the Holy Spirit has something important and powerful for your life. Do you agree with me on that? So I hope you're ready. I hope you're excited, and God's going to do something really powerful today. As we get started, I want to tell you a quick story. Uh, One day shortly after the birth of their new baby, the mother had to go out and do some errands. This would be the young man's first time with his son alone. Any dads remember this moment? The first time you're all by yourself. So the proud new papa stayed home to watch his wonderful new son. As she left, she asked, are you sure? And he said confidently, you can trust me. Well, not shortly after, after the mom had left And gone to run the errands. The baby started crying. And he tried so many different things to get the baby to stop crying. But the baby would not stop crying. So panicking, he decided to call the doctor. And got an appointment. Rushed his baby right over to the doctor. And the doctor started checking with the nose. The mouth, the throat, goes to the ears and works his way down to the diaper. And as he checks the diaper, it was indeed a full diaper. And the doctor said, here's the problem. He needs to be changed. The father was shocked, perplexed. But the diaper package says clearly it's good for up to 10 pounds. You can trust us, the new dads. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you can trust me. Now I want you to turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm not sure about that one. (laughs) Trust is a big deal, isn't it? Trust is a really big deal. In fact, according to Henry Cloud, who's a psychiatrist, a consultant, and an author, he says, Trust is the currency that drives every relationship beginning with the foundational bond between infants and their mothers extending to the trust networks that undergird every human endeavor. Art, science, commerce, and and binding together every relationship we have ever had or ever will have. Trust is a big deal. And the reason we know trust is a big deal, because when trust is broken, the carnage that you and I experience is pretty real, isn't it? Whether it's a friend, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a boss, whether it's your government, when trust is broken, one thing that all of us experience is the pain and the wreckage thereafter when we lose trust. And one of the most damaging things that I see that happens in the, in the body of Christ is that when our horizontal relationships and there, when there's breakage and there's mistrust and the things that happen, what oftentimes happens is people then say, I cannot trust God because Christians hurt me. And and I want to say to everyone that that believes that or had that happen to them is that, yes, it's painful. Let's get that right out the gate. I have been hurt by church. I was born almost like in the pews. I mean, it was a hospital, but they got me to church really fast. (laughs) I was raised in church, and one of the things I've seen as a pastor's kid is that people break trust at times. And if we're not careful, we'll start to walk, our, walk through our lives not trusting anyone because a few have broken our trust. And what's even worse is we start saying, I don't know if I can trust God. I don't know if he's that good. I don't know if he will do what he said he would do. Because here's what happens when disappointment and And things start happening where we're like, man, God, I thought this was going to happen, and then it doesn't. And we're filled with disappointment and sorrow and sadness. It can be really easy for us to say, I don't trust what God has for me. And the danger of that lifestyle and that thought process and that belief system is that if you start living your life that way, you know what will end up happening? You will not experience the more that God has for you. In fact, I, I wrote it down this way, without trust in God, we will not experience more with God. Without trust in God, we will not experience more with God. In the Greek, there's this word, pistuo, and what it means is to think to be true, to believe and implying trust. You see, trust is something that people have been looking and longing for for thousands of years. I mean, generation after generation, you can see People going throughout history and things are going okay or going well or amazing. And the moment trust is broken, things fall apart, don't they? Cities fall apart, churches fall apart, marriages fall apart, all because trust is broken. What are we to do then? Well, I've got good news for you today. We're not the first ones to struggle with trust issues. The Bible actually says a lot about that. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 12. And if you're new and you don't have a Bible, it's okay. It's going to come on the screen. But at Portland Christian Center, we love our Bibles. We love God's Word. So I want to set the context up for you. Jesus is in Bethany at the home of a man named Lazarus and if you don't know anything about Lazarus Lazarus is a pretty cool guy because he is somebody who died and was buried for three days and Jesus raised him from the dead okay that's pretty cool if you ask me so he comes back to life so Jesus eating at this guy's house and people are starting to hear that Jesus raised this man from the dead Then if you follow throughout the passage, you see that Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, fulfilling a prophecy, and everybody comes out and says, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and they're worshiping, they're putting down branches. That's why we have Palm Sunday, and this is all happening, and then there's a thunderous voice from heaven, and then... People are like, I don't know if that's thunder or if it's God. And people are not believing, not sure. Jesus is opening blind eyes. He's healing people. He's doing the work of the ministry. And then it comes to this verse in verse 37. Listen to this. But despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. What? What? Should we be shocked at this? Unfortunately, no. We live in a more cynical society than ever before. Have you ever heard of the word fake news? We live in a culture where it seems like you can't trust or believe in anything. Right? Pistuo, to think, to be true, to believe, imply trust. Despite all that Jesus has done, they still don't believe. Then if you just read five verses later in verse 42, listen to what it says. Many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish leaders. But they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogues. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. So, so he, I want you to catch this. What John John is saying to us in this text is that people can experience the exact same miracle. They can be in a worship setting just like this and experience the exact same worship. And some people in here right now, you are believing, you're all in. I can even tell by the way you're looking at me, the way you're taking notes, you're on the edge of your seat. Like, I'm experiencing what God's having, and other people are like... If you only knew my story, if you only knew what I've gone through, if you only knew that I'm not sure if I can trust anybody, let alone a man named Jesus that you're talking about who lived and walked on this earth 2,000 years ago, I'm not sure if I can trust anything that you're saying, Pastor. And today I am here, I believe, sent by God. And if you're in that camp where you're like, man, I'm not sure, I'm doubting, it's okay. It's okay. You know why? Because God can handle your doubt. Even Thomas doubted. But when he doubted, he ran to Jesus, not away. If you want to see more of God in your life, always walk towards Jesus, not away. Because the reason is, and I, I absolutely believe this, you always have a choice of whether or not to believe or trust Jesus. God is so good that he doesn't make you believe. He doesn't make you do anything. He says you actually have a choice. Here's my works. Here's my power. I am inviting you into more. The door is wide open, church. But you get to walk in. I'm not going to force you. You get to walk in. And I believe this. God has more for you. Way more than you can ever ask, think, or imagine. But there's going to be a moment in your life where God's going to ask you to do something, and you're going to look down and you're going to think, "I'm not sure. I don't know if I can trust this. That seems too risky. I've had too much hurt, too much pain. I'm not sure." It reminds me a lot of my son Tate. We uh, on Friday we went swimming, and I want to show you a quick video of him. This is him swimming at a pool right here. He's not really swimming. Here he comes. Yeah, okay. So that might be like, oh, whatever. But did you notice how happy he was? He's pretty excited. That's a pretty safe pool to swim in. And if you notice, when he got in, he could stand up. Right after we got out of there, he jumped out of the pool and he said, Dad, let's go to the deep end. So we walked all the way around the pool, and there's, if you, I don't know if you could tell in that video, but on the other side of that pool, there's a, a diving board, and it's, it's a pretty, I think it's like 20 feet deep. Um, and so there's like this whole huge pool. And he walks over, and uh, Tate, uh, he grabs his goggles, and he puts it in, and he looks over at the edge. I don't see any sharks, Dad. I think we're good. And so then he jumps, in, he jumps in, and I jump in right after him. Tate's still learning how to swim. He can do great in the shallow ends, but not the deep end. So we jump in with him, and he puts his arm around my neck, and he holds on tight. I'm like, hold on, buddy, hold on. And he's grabbing me for dear life. And he was like, across the sea. <laughs> so we, he grabs my neck. And we just swim all the way across, right? And he's holding on for dear life. And I think the lifeguards are just laughing like, hysterically at me. We make it all the way across and we get out and he goes, Dad, we did it! <laughs> and you know what I said? Absolutely, buddy. We did it. I think that's a lot of what faith looks like with God. God, we did it! Did you not see... All the cool things that we did, we avoided sharks. You see, the reason we cling to God is because he has so much more for you that you can't do on your own. I want to remind you what Ephesians 3.20 says. Now, oh glory to God, not myself, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish, listen to this, Infinitely more than we might ask or think. God wants to do more in you and through you than you can ask or think. He is so big, so great, so powerful that He wants to do so much more in your life, and yet we settle for so much less than what He invites us to. And oftentimes it's because we've been hurt, oftentimes we've been disappointed. Maybe we just simply don't believe. The disciples, they're an amazing study because when you watch them, as they go through with Jesus, he's constantly pushing them to the more. He sends them out two by two, and he's like, you're going to heal people? You're going to cast out demons? You're going to do all these great things? And then he's like, okay, and they go out, and they come back, and they're like, it worked! It happened! Ah! So Jesus is on this three-year journey with them. They're doing all these amazing things. Then all of a sudden, and as you read through John, he pulls them close. And you know what he says to them? Hey, guess what? I'm leaving. Wait, what? Don't worry. Where I'm going, you can't come. But don't worry. I'm making a place for you. And they're like, what? Are you sure? And he says, yes. But don't worry, I'm going to send the advocate, the helper, and he will live in you. And it's better for me to be over here in heaven preparing for you and praying for you and for the Spirit of God to dwell in you. Could you imagine the disciples looking at him and saying, wait, 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 Start. time out, time out, God, Jesus, this cannot be right. Are you okay? It probably shocked them right out of their sandals. What is Jesus thinking? How in the world could you being away from me be better than being with me? And he said, I have to go because I'm going to send my spirit that's going to live in you. And then you fast forward Acts 1, and I want to read just four verses for you. And it says this, On one occasion while he was eating with them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Now, this is the key. You ready? Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus drops a mic and goes to heaven. I mean, he is constantly pushing the disciples out constantly saying there's more for you and I think he's doing that to us today the same God we just sang about it the same God lives in me there's power there's anointing but here's the thing the disciples had to make a jump they could trust in Jesus they could trust in God the Father because Jesus would say, if, you see the, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit lives inside of them, and they have a new person to trust. And today, the big idea I want you to write down is this. You can trust the Holy Spirit. You can trust the Holy Spirit. Now, you might hear that, and you might be thinking, man, Pat, that sounds really good. But I've been around church for a long time, and I've been to Pentecostal churches, Churches where people are praying for the moving of the Holy Spirit, different things that God would do like prophecy and tongues and healings and miracles. And to be honest with you, I've seen crazy things. And I'll be honest with you, those people were crazy before they were filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) But trusting the Holy Spirit is probably the most important work that you need to do. Do you trust the Holy Spirit's leading in your life? When you're disappointed, do you trust him? When somebody breaks your trust, do you trust God that he's going to work it out? You see, I'm going to share with you two stories about my life that one of them in particular could have derailed me big time I was 14 years old and I'd just been called into ministry and uh, I remember that moment vividly It was at our church and then we went to a summer camp and they had a guy come and he was, he was preaching and he started moving into this prophetic mode in service and he starts calling out different things and having people come up on stage and he says, I feel like there's p- someone in here that, uh, that loves the trumpet. If you love the trumpet, would you raise your hand? Nobody raised their hand. Then he says, uh, how many, is there anybody here? I I missed it, I missed it. Did anybody here ever, uh, does anybody here play the trumpet? Nobody raised their hand. I'm like, oh my goodness. And then he says, oh, wait, wait, wait. Has there anybody in here has ever played the trumpet? And I raised my hand. In fifth and sixth grade, I had, taken, I had played the trumpet. And he was like, get up here. And I'm like, oh, no. So he calls me up in front of the whole youth group. Like, there was about 85 kids there in front of everybody. And he says, here's what God's saying over you. And you know how they get the, the little finger going? He's just like, he's going like this, right? And thus saith the Lord. You know, he's doing this thing. And he says, I want you to go home, and I want you to pick up the trumpet and you are not going to have to practice ever again. God's going to supernaturally make you a professional trumpet player, and you're going to travel all over the world. And people, stadiums are going to be filled. People are going to be saved because you can play the trumpet, and God's going to heal and deliver everybody. And He prays over me. Boom, and I walked out like, "Wow, that's pretty awesome." So I go home. This is a true story. I, I'm not, you can't make this stuff up. So I go home, and I pull the trumpet out of the closet, the one that I had used when I was in fifth and sixth grade, and I grab the trumpet. Now, my brother, we all need brothers in your life, okay? He, he's in, he was there, so he's watching me. So I grab the trumpet, and I'm like, okay, here we go, and I start playing. And guess what? I was just as bad as I always was. And my brother is laughing at me. Laughing. And I chase him, you know, we get a little fist fight, and I'm like, maybe that, maybe I missed it. Maybe I don't know. So I prayed and I went back and I played again. And guess what? It still didn't work. Still didn't happen. Now I want to ask you a question. Can I still trust the Holy Spirit? I want you to think about your life. Have you ever been disappointed by a word that someone gave you that you're still waiting to have come true? A promise? A hope? You see, as funny as that story is, I'm not gonna lie to you, for a a brief season in my life, I was really struggling. Because why would someone do that to a kid? What motivation does this guy have? Why, why would you do that? And I began to wrestle. I began to struggle. I'm like, God, where are you in all of this? Is the Holy Spirit really working? Is he real? And the problem that I've experienced with a lot of Christians that have been around the charismatic movement or maybe Assemblies of God or just different things is that the only experience they have is things not working out. And they can give you story after story of someone missing it, but I'm here to tell you, I have stories of God working out, of God doing great and mighty things. And I'm going to tell you one right now. I was a boy. I don't remember the exact age, but we were having a time with God. It was probably about eight or eight or nine years old. And one of the pastors brought me up on stage. And he put his hand on me and he says, The Lord has shown me that you're going to be a lead pastor someday. And God's going to give you a double portion anointing from what your dad has. And he began to pray over me and prophesy over me. And I'm telling you right now those words, that prayer, that reminder from the Holy Spirit is one of the key reasons why I'm here today. Because God is faithful. And he will do what he said he would do. And he is with me. And he is for me. Even when people make mistakes. Even when people have bad motives. And I can tell some of you can relate because you probably had some experiences like that. You see, I brought these goggles up because I want to show you that our God is amazing and he sees everything clearly but a lot of you just got lost these goggles have been scratched I gotta be careful I might fall off the stage I see some of you but you're pretty dim you're not that clear this is a good fashion hey try and take me serious I dare you have you ever seen a pastor wear goggles on Sunday mornings I don't know The Holy Spirit is like an amazing ocean, a river of grace and love and peace and freedom. And he's pouring his spirit out on his people. The Bible already said it's happening. And what ends up happening is he uses people. Sometimes you want to say, God, what were you thinking? (laughs) He uses us. He loves us. He has so much more for us, but we don't see clearly. And I want to remind you, if I can read it like this, (laughs) 1 Corinthians 13, 12, hold on, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, no, I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am also known. In other words, this side of heaven, we don't see everything perfectly clear, do we? That's why 1 John 4 says this. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are of God or not. For many false prophets have gone out. Part of your responsibility, when the Holy Spirit moves or speaks or does something in your life, your responsibility is actually to test to see if it's of God or not. How do you do that? Number one, always know this. God does not contradict himself. God does not contradict himself. And then later in that passage, it says that if they curse Jesus or they don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, then that's not of God either. But I think one of the most important things you need to know, one of the best ways to test to know if it's of God, is to have a group of believers that you know, that you can trust, that have your best interest in mind, have them pray about it with you. And then there are things that people have spoken over me that I haven't shared with people, because I feel like... One of the big mistakes a lot of people have is this. As soon as they hear from God, they want to tell everybody. Put it on Instagram. Put it on blast. Hey, God spoke to me. Ah, Listen to me. Remember when the angel spoke to Mary and said, you're going to have a son? You know what the Bible says she did? She stored it up in her heart. There are deep things that God will speak to you that he wants to stay between you and him for a season. Until it's time to be revealed. You see, God has so much more for Portland Christian Center. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves, is: how do we build trust with the Holy Spirit? In a world where trust seems to be broken all the time, how do we build trust? So the first thing I want you to do is understand the nature of God that's revealed in the Bible. If you're going to build trust, you got to know who God is. Right? So the first thing that you must understand is he is good. Say with me: God is good. God is good. All the time. Ah, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. God is good, all the time. All the time? Just making sure we're in the right room. Okay. Romans eight twenty eight reminds us that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to. His purpose. Have you been hurt? Have you been disappointed? Have you missed it? What did that verse just promise us? That God is so good that He'll work it all out. To those who are called according to His purpose. That calling is so powerful. Why is that? Why is that so important? When you look at the history of our faith, one man jumps off the page in Genesis. His name was Abram. Abram lived in the Ur of Chaldees and he was a man that was wealthy. He lived in a civilization that was doing well and God shows up and says, you're my chosen person. I love you. I see you. I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to make you into a great nation. And people are like, Abram must have been a pretty sweet dude. No, he was not. He was a pagan. I want to show you something. The first picture I'm going to put up on the screen, this is called the, the ziggurat. Now, that, obviously, that is an exact picture of what it looked like. Just kidding. Just kidding. But here's what you need to know about that. This was built around 2100 BC and was dedicated to Nana, the moon god. Pretty magnificent, wouldn't you say? Why was this so important? The moon was worshipped as the power that controlled the heavens and the life cycle on the earth. To the Chaldeans, the the phases of the moon represented the natural cycle of birth, growth, decay, and death, and also set the measurement of their yearly calendar. Among the pantheon of gods in Mesopotamia, the moon god was extremely important. Abram worshipped that god. Here's why I'm telling you that. God is so good, he can take you out of your darkness and put you into light but he doesn't just automatically take that out of Abram. He says, I want you to leave your wealth. I want you to leave everything you've ever known. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your gods, and I want you to follow me. And he's like, where? You'll find out. Anybody signing up for that? Here we go. Jumping off. I think there's sharks in the pool. I'm not sure where God's leading me. You probably don't. But here's what I want you to get. Listen, 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 listen. Abram, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, that he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. When you trust in God, you get to see the goodness of God. And then God takes Abram on this amazing journey to the point where he's supposed to be blessed, be fruitful, multiply. And God takes him out one night and looks up at the stars and says, count them if you can. I will bless you as numerous as, the, as, as many kids as you can see these stars and sand in the sea. And you know what Abram says? Uh, one problem. I don't have any kids. My wife Sarah and I, we, uh, we have no kids. Zero. And God says, I will help you. I will bless you and you'll have kids. Guess how old they were, 100 years old he was, and she was 90, and they had Isaac. Now, when you read that, when I, the way I just told you that, that becomes a straight line. You're like, wow, that's pretty cool. Do you remember the mistake he made? He didn't trust God for a moment. Instead, they give him a, uh, she gets, Sarah gives him a, a, house, a, a, a different lady. Hello, watch out. And he has another son named Ishmael. And I want, I want you to pay attention to this really, cl- really closely. Ishmael and Isaac represent the battle that we're seeing in Israel today. When you take things into your own hands, you're not just the people that, stru- that, that suffer. It goes from generation to generation to generation. And God says that you will be a thorn in the side of Israel until I return. So when you're l- watching television... And I hear people say, what is going on with the battle in the Middle East? Just open your Bibles. This war has been happening for generation after generation. And here's our responsibility as Christians. Number one, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Because in case you haven't read your Bibles, we are grafted in. As Christians, you are now part of God's chosen people. So we're to pray for them. We're to pray for the peace in Jerusalem. We're to pray for God God to bring his grace and his power. But here's the other thing that we're supposed to do. Let's pray for every person to turn their, their lives back to God. We don't hate anybody. Jesus said, I came not to condemn the world, but to save the world through me. So the people in Palestine that are acting this out, they have been blinded. And the ones that are attacking this whole war, our responsibility is to pray. Our responsibility is to do everything we can to stop this war. And the next thing we're supposed to do is this, occupy until Jesus comes. If you read your Bibles, this is all leading up to the return of Christ. So would you pray with me real quick? I think we just need to stop right here and just pray. So Father, right now I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would stop this battle right now. God, I pray for peace in Jerusalem. I pray for hearts to come back to you. Lord, the ones, the parents that are, that are broken, that are hurting, of all the atro- atrocious things that we've seen and heard, God, it rattles us and our hearts are broken and we pray for a peace of Jerusalem. And for all the, the Jews, God, we pray, Lord, that you protect them. And we pray for people even the Palestinians, the ones that are even attacking, God, I pray that you would turn their hearts to you. May you show up in their dreams, Jesus and change their hearts, God. And we say, even now, Lord, come quickly, we love you. We're ready for your return, in Jesus' name, amen. You see, God is good, and the next thing you need to know about the nature of God that's so important is that he is sovereign. Trusting God requires acknowledging his sovereignty. I love what Mark Batterson says, do you trust that God is for you even if he doesn't give you what you asked for? Who's sovereign? Are you sure? Because when the moment God doesn't behave the way you want him to, guess what most people do? Peace out. And I wanna encourage somebody today, and the worship team can come, you can trust the Holy Spirit. You can trust the Holy Spirit. So how do we build trust with the Holy Spirit? I'm gonna give you three quick things. Number one, give God your disappointments. Are you disappointed today? Give it to God. Number two, do what Abraham did. Believe, trust, and if you follow Abraham's life, you know what he did? He worshiped God before he saw it. He would build altars and worship him. He'd build altars and worship God everywhere he went. And the last thing is probably the most important thing. Check your heart. Are you surrendered to the Holy Spirit? If you wouldn't mind standing with me just for a moment. I believe the Holy Spirit's about to do some amazing things in this room. I've been praying for you, by the way. And I've been wrestling about how to end this message. And one of the things the Holy Spirit brought to my attention was that there are people here that have been disappointed. You need to cast your disappointments on God. What does that look like? Lord, I know you see me. I know you see my heart. But this hurts. What that person said about me, I can still hear it. What they wrote, I can still see it. The pain that I felt when that person walked out of my life, I still feel that. God's saying, cast your cares on me. I care for you. I can handle it. If you're here this morning and you've got some serious pain and disappointment, God's saying you can trade that in this morning. He'll take your pain and your brokenness and you'll flip it around. If you're here this morning and there's some disappointment that you've got to let go, some pain, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you right where you are. You want to let God, thank you. I see those hands. Anybody else? You want to let God heal the disappointments in your life? Come on, raise my hand. You want God to heal the disappointments in your life. I see those hands everywhere. Father, I pray for every person with their hand held high. God, I ask that you would touch their hearts. I pray as we get ready to worship you that they would lay down their burdens before you, their disappointments, and that they would sense your Holy Spirit right now. In Jesus' name, heal them, I pray. Amen. One last thing we're gonna do is we're going to open up the altars and you can come down and worship Jesus any way you, anytime during these next couple songs, we're going to allow move, time for you to, to, to receive what God has for you. But as we do that, I want to encourage you don't give up. Don't give up on God. When I was at Fairwood as, at our church, we were praying and a service just like this and we started entering in and I watched with my own eyes a lady come down and she asked for prayer she had her skin and her hands were completely white it was like leprosy it was completely ashy and white and she had gloves on and she took them off and she showed us her hands and we prayed for God to heal her hands she looked down put the gloves back on Walk back not healed and I remember thinking God what is going on with that and we prayed and kind of kept going and I was kind of disappointed I wasn't sure and as the service was about to end this lady came running to the front of the church and she's screaming my hands my hands my hands she pulled off one glove and that hand was like a brand new baby skin I couldn't believe it. I've never seen it like that before. So then she pulls off the other glove. That hand was healed too. And I'm telling you that today because maybe you've prayed and you haven't got your miracle yet. What do we do? We keep asking. We keep seeking. We keep knocking. We keep trusting God. Why? Because he's good and he's sovereign. What does he say? I have more for you. But you won't see more until you trust the Holy Spirit. There's more for you. If you want more of God say, would you just lift your hands? I'm going to pray over you. and These altars are open. Lord, I pray for people in this house right now in Jesus' name and online as we lift our hands. I pray that we would experience more. I pray that people would come hungry and thirsty for more of you, God that you would transform our hearts and our minds, that we would receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you come forward? Let's just worship Jesus together. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com